Kia ora and welcome to episode 108 of the Stag Roar. Bloody awesome. Good to be back with another episode. This episode I'm joined by the legend Andy Ross. You might remember us talking about Andy when we spoke with Kent Mulligan from Bottom Pirate. Um, Andy's real legend. Just a little note there, um, as Andy says, psychedelics are illegal and we're not condoning their use, but uh, what Andy's establishing is a platform so that people who do choose to use psychedelics for their therapy um, can then implement that in a safe way and have somebody to unload so as not to go down a path of addiction and damage. Um, so yeah, that's what, just sort of put that out there. Um, we're definitely not condoning that because both New Zealand and Australia and the US, um, Canada, you know, lots of places, psychedelics are still illegal um, and yeah, it's criminal offence. So yeah, with that, that out of the way, we talk a little bit about hunting, um, talk about yeah, the beautiful northern rivers, rivers Victoria, um, New Zealand even, uh, skateboarding, surfing, uh, PTSD as well. Um, so lots of topics we take for a ride in the hour that we talk. Um, yeah, hope you enjoy. Be sure to contact myself and Andy. Andy's been an awesome supporter of the podcast as well. He's one of the people that um, often shares our work. So be like Andy, share our work. Cheers. Um, enjoy. Kia ora, everyone. I'm sitting with Andy Ross, and he's wearing a hat from uh, Kent Mulligan, the modern pirate's hat. And Kent spoke about this legend in our podcast. Um, Andy, uh, what did you do last weekend, mate? Uh, last weekend, I went up to a property that actually Kent put me onto. And up my cameras and went for a walk in the bush and yeah, just chilled out, tried to clear my head and yeah, it was good. Nice. And you and you caught up with the man before he headed out to New Zealand? I did. We had breakfast that day. It was lovely. Yeah, mate. So um, how did you meet him? <laughs> I met him through Eamon. Yeah. Eamon Robinson. Uh, I became friends with Eamon just online uh, through Instagram. He was always really helpful with any questions I wanted answered and uh, I got an invite out to his family property and uh, yeah so I just thought it was me going out there and I got there and Kent was there and we hit it off and yeah he's a great bloke so it's a good introduction just to hang out with two lovely blokes in the bush and yeah it was good. God, he also made um, Kent's family have my absolute dream um, property in the hills restaurant uh, dear, doesn't get much better than that, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you guys are from the same lineage, aren't you? I mean, Kent, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, sort of, nearly. Yeah, um, he's got the same last name as uh, as my, well, my mother used to. But yeah, that that side, and um, yeah, the, we're uh, technically related. <laughs> so, uh, Maybe there. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, well, we're hopefully going to catch up just before he sh shoots back over your way. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll meet in person. Hopefully I've got my bow running again and, and bought some more arrows because I um, made the... Oh, they disappear when you hunt rabbits, don't they? Oh, it's strange. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, was, um, I chucked it up at work today just because the guys in New Zealand that, that are bow hunting, you know, just like the Aussies, I've had plenty of information from you guys over there, but um, got a Facebook page and stuff. I sort of put up the 
photo of the rabbit carcasses and then I said, you know, have you got any tricks for not losing them? You know, does light of knocks work? And um, one of the guys um, who whose old man runs one of the, the sort of not quite high fence but, but sort of a state type thing um, where they've got private property and then the tech people aren't doing it anyway. He, he'd said that a, a metal detector was a good tool and, and so basically that's what I presented delighted knocks and metal detectors are they worthwhile and, and that was the general consensus. So today I was Yeah, well we use a metal detector at our archery club. Yeah. Yeah, they've just got one behind the door and you can just go in there and grab it and strap it on and go out through the field finding your stuff. So, yeah, it's, they do work. I don't know about taking them out in the field, but we definitely use them at our archery club. Yeah, well, this was just, you know, around my mate's house. So, yeah, yeah. it would have been all good. So do you have to dig it up or, or what's, the, what's the go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I suppose it's just finding the the, uh, the tip there and um, you'll see a little hole in the ground, but... Yeah, you kind of got to pull them out long ways. If you dig down, you're just digging this big long trench. But I mean, the the metal detector that they've got there, I think, is from the 1930s. So you don't need anything fancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Of course, my boss made the obvious point that if you hit the rabbit, then you won't lose the arrow. But <clears throat> I, I nearly came back to him. Yeah, I said, buy me a rangefinder, and I'll keep hitting the, hitting the rabbits, and I won't lose my arrows. <laughs> But it really, it hones your skill, hunting rabbits. Yeah. There's nothing like it for bone hunters. Yeah, well, like, the two I got were at 30 uh, metres, and I was absolutely stoked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, absolutely. That's great. That's really great. Yeah. I, I, I was, you know, the, the um, guy whose property it is, he's, he's the president of our Deer Stalkers Club here oh, in, yeah. in, in Hawke's Bay. And he's got a real issue, actually. Um, he's thinking about taking the 22 there out in the meantime. But, um, yeah, he, he said, can you hit a bottle, you know, a milk bottle? And I thought, well, probably. So that's when I started shooting at that cocoa box and trying to hit the red. Oh, yes. I was doing well with that. So I was like, right, let's, let's try and go do this. So, yep, if I um, got the distance right, I, I was on the money. But obviously when you're guessing. Oh, you didn't have a rangefinder though, did you? Yeah, that's right. When you're guessing, you, you're, uh, your margin of error is high and you pay the cost, cost of it. Yeah. <laughs> Even with a rangefinder, I think the weekend that I went to uh, Western Victoria, uh, three arrows went missing. We actually had two. I had my arrow go down. I I hit a rabbit and I hit it long ways. um, And it just took off and went down the hole with my my arrow in it. (laughs) And then another rabbit popped up five metres from it. And my mate was just over my shoulder, Joe, and he pinged this rabbit and the rabbit straight down the same hole. Yeah. So it was my arrow and then his arrow down the hole. But <laughs> yeah, it was just like, what? How did, when did that ever happen to two arrows down the same hole? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, so what, what sort of um, heads are you using when you go rabbit shooting? Um, I'm actually using these little like kind of washer things. They're just yeah. like little stars. Um, I don't know who makes them. I've seen that. Um, I've tried everything. I've tried bunny busters. I've tried a whole bunch of different things. Um, yeah, but they just seem to fly the best. And they're only, you know, five grain. So I can just, I, I usually run a 125 grain head. Um, so I just use a 120 grain head and just screw that on. And so it's just weighted the same. It flies pretty well and it doesn't whistle. And when it sticks stuff, it actually sticks stuff. And yeah, the, I just find those. There's the wikis or the bunny buses with the they're meant to tip over in the grass. Yeah, I think they're the ones that you were running. 
Yeah, yeah, judo points is what the ones. Yeah, judo points. They yeah. just collect grass. Yeah. They're just like these big paws that go through grass and just collect everything on the way through. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I found, what I found with those is when I was shooting on the angle. It was all good. Like um, the first rabbit I got, again, I guessed 20, which is what I've been shooting at, and was low. And the silly thing stayed there, so I just went up the next pin and, and smacked it. But when it was on the angle or shooting into the hillside, then it was there, blatantly obvious, there yeah. to pick up. Yeah. But uh, when I was on the same plane, it just, I guess it just kind of went through through the grass and through the ground. And it must be buried just, you know, just under. But yeah, just under. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah well, you, learn to, you learn to put your shots right when you're hunting Western Victoria and there's prickly acacia everywhere and you put an arrow into that prickly acacia, it's, it's everywhere. It's, yeah, it's horrible stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, where did the sort of bow hunt, hunting and stuff um, begin for you? Because obviously you've been on the Into Deep podcast and, and I'm going to talk a bit more with you about that because I was sending you my live commentary. <laughs> <laughs> The I mean, the quick rundown is that, is that I was in a pretty dark place in my life and I, yeah. I, I was trying to get out of it, but I didn't really know how to get out of it. And, um, you know, I've surfed since I was six years old and I've skated since about the same and neither of those two things were really, I didn't have any passion for them. So I would go and do them and it would be great, it would be a day out. I couldn't skateboard, I can't really skateboard anymore really because so many injuries and I can't take time off work. But I would go surfing and I would come home and I was, just, I was in a really, really bad place. And, and like that, those drives home sometimes were I could easily just sure. not go home. To a relationship that was amazing um, and everything was great. But I just didn't, I just kind of was... You know, listening to some podcasts, listening to Rogan, listening to a few of those things, and I was like, wow, I really don't have a challenge. I don't have anything that's driving me to, to learn and move and push forwards in my life and be happy with the, the person that I am. So I, I've always been in the bush. I've, you know, Gold Coast growing up and then Northern New South Wales after that and always been in the bush there and lots of bush time when I was a kid with my mum and with my granddad and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I love the bush. Like, and I hadn't really put too much time into exploring deeper into the Victorian forest. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'll just go do a few walks. And in the back of my mind, when I started to do some more bush walks, I was like, I could be out here, you know, having a challenge doing, you know, hunting, hunting for food or whatever. And, the more that I looked into the archery and bow hunting, I was like, well, there's a community, there's, there's a learning curve, and that learning curve seemed to be a similar parallel to skateboarding and surfing with single-minded focus on the job at hand and lots and lots of failure. Mm. Um, and I'm pretty good at hurting myself and getting back up and trying again, and that's what skateboarding is. It's just fall off, try again. And, <laughs> So I went out and spent a ridiculous amount of money on equipment before I'd ever done it and then joined the archery club and went down there and we've got a tremendous amount of support from a bunch of guys down there that were like, get in there and that was kind of me learning from my elders and people that were around me and, and it, I just put myself into that community and started asking questions. Mm. Um, 
you know, there's so many things that went along with it, like providing my own food and doing a, my own pathway to manhood, I suppose you would call it. And um, yeah, so all of those things just meshed. And the more that I did it, the more that, you know, I set myself a goal to kill a sambadeer. That was my goal. I was like, this is what I have to do. I have to train, I have to practice, I have to get out there and do it. And that was a really challenging time in my life was to push and to just to go bush because I was so depressed. Mm. Uh, but I knew that if I did that, that stuff would lift. And I had an understanding of, you know, I was seeing a counsellor, I was seeing a great counsellor and, um, just having good support network around me. Not that I told a lot of people what I was going through, but knowing that the more that I pushed towards this goal, the happier I would become. And I realised inside of that that I was setting small goals that I didn't realise. I thought that this killing the samba deer was the be all and end all, but I didn't know how to tune my equipment. I didn't know how to build arrows. I didn't know how to shoot a back tension release. I didn't know where to find gear. I didn't. I didn't know any of these things. So but I realised along that way, along the way, that it was quite often the drives home from going out and not seeing a deer, or seeing a deer, or seeing three, or seeing an echidna, or you know wombats, or whatever it was. And I would actually come home and literally pat myself on the back as I was driving home to congratulate myself on actually pulling myself out of a hole and just doing it. And uh, I would look at the, I'd look at the people in the cars beside me and I'd, I'd like give them the finger out, out. Like, I'd be like, ah, you motherfuckers didn't see three deer this afternoon and I did. I would laugh. Like, that was just, that was it for me. I was like, oh, I'm hooked on this thing. I'm having these experiences. I'm doing it by myself. And, yeah, that just allowed, that just started this wave of goodness that just came across my life. And, yeah, it's, it's just changed me no end and, you know, allowed me to grow inside myself and showed me how to stand on my own two feet, you know. Epic. Mate, um, how much parallel was there, the messaging that you were getting, the brainwashing that you were doing for yourself with the podcasting and then the counselling? Was it you sort of bringing up the topic that, hey, I'm gonna, I've, I've got to find something to do or was that something that you were sort of exploring already and, and the, the two of them came together? It was a bit of both, yeah. Um, you know, my partner at the time, she was really supportive of it and um, she was really supportive of me figuring out what was wrong with me. And, um, like, I got... We went to couples counselling and I got diagnosed with PTSD. Um, and whilst I was at work, like, I can listen to eight hours of podcasts, no worries. So yeah. I was trying to figure out a whole bunch of information and listening to so many different things. And I think that there are a few key players inside of that, like Shane Dorian was a, mm. was a big player inside of that because I just looked up to him since I was 15 years old and the way that he runs himself and his life. And so, I don't know, I, I suppose as a... There's a psychedelic connection in my life as well and it's mm. been there for 20 years and um, part of that connection to 
magic mushrooms and LSD and things of that nature, I'd realised a couple of years before that that I wasn't utilising those things. I was just abusing those things and I wasn't treating them with the respect that they deserve. Hmm. So on the, on the path of me trying to figure out who I was, I decided that I needed, I wanted to utilise those things in a medicinal way because the sciences had changed the direction of those things that I kind of knew but had in the back of my mind. I just realised that I needed to take charge of everything holistically in my world. And I think that came from just listening over and over to a whole bunch of different genres of things. And it just it really helped me to change. Yeah, mate. Um, so what what was the trauma first off or or it's just an accumulation of stuff that then you've... Oh, no, I've, I've like... I've, I was there when uh, Mick Fanning... The first one was like Mick Fanning, a pro surfer. His brother and a mate of mine died in a car accident in Coolangatta. And we were walking home and saw that firsthand. I didn't see it happen, but saw the aftermath firsthand. And then I, um, I had another mate. There was a series of events that happened. I had a mate who was a Red Bull base jumper, Iceman. Yeah. And uh, he, he base jumped out of a helicopter at a festival we were at. And um, he, the parachute didn't open and he slammed into the back of a red guy hat to charade right in front of us, 100 metres from us. And then... Two weeks after that, we, we were having a wake for him and sort of having a party at, down at Brunswick Heads at, at the break wall there. You probably know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, saw that. Um, yeah, so we were having a wake there and everyone was out swimming and stuff and I, one of my mates got caught in an undertow. He wasn't a, he wasn't a strong swimmer. Shit. And two of my friends were out there and I was over the other side and everybody dove down to try and find him and... Nobody could get him and one of my mates went to grab him and he, he pulled him down he had to kick him away and it, yeah, it was just this hideous scene where all of a sudden he was just taken from us and so that was two weeks to the day from the, from the other one and then two weeks after that I was sitting with my partner at the time and at, at the river there we were just sitting and there was, there was a massive cyclonic swell, probably 10-foot swell, 12-foot swell rolling through that river and there was an outgoing tide and one of our friends walked down, one of my partner's friends walked down to the beach and he was mates with the previous fellow that had died um, and he wasn't in a good mental headspace. So he took off all his clothes and jumped in the river and went to try and drown himself in the river. So... Yeah, it was just this hectic scene where I swam across Brunswick Great Wall at a million miles an hour across the river there to try and jump in after him with another fella who came in and grabbed the life ring and we bailed out to sea and, yeah, it was a hectic scene. So there's been a few instances in my life where I've just been party to heavy situations that nobody should really have to go through as well as losing a bunch of friends to suicides and brain cancer and all these different things that, that when I add them up, I'm like, fuck. Right? So, but, yeah, it is what it is and you just, you know. And so was that what um, made you leave the, the Northern Rivers or? Um, um, not really. I just... I got to the point where I just needed change in my life from up there. 
and I didn't. I was living the dream life. Like I, I lived in amazing places, but I, I, I grew weed, and you know, I was partying heaps, and that wasn't. I was doing. I was making my art, and I was doing stuff like that. But I was really just doing artwork for festivals and going out and partying far too hard. And yeah, it was like, all right, we've got to get out of here. And actually, a girl that I was with at the time, she was like, let's go to Melbourne. And I was like, ah, fuck. So, but she dragged me down there, and I've never looked back. So yeah. yeah. What, what, do you, what do you think? Um, like you say, you haven't looked back. It's a. It's a Remarkable part of the world, Northern Rivers, but so, so is Melbourne. What is it about Melbourne that just really lights you up? Oh, Victoria as a state's just incredible. Like I thought up there was great, but down here it just trumps everything pretty much. You know, within a couple of hours you can be wherever you want, in the deepest forest or at a beach with nobody there or, you know, almost in desert lands. It's just it's unbelievable. So... Yeah. I think that, that you know, it, just the bow hunting has gotten me to places that I would never have gone to and I would never have seen. Mm, mm. So, you know, and surfing's gotten me to places where I thought the waves up in Queensland and New South Wales were great, but you get down here and it's like middle of winter, good swells, nobody out, freezing water, no one wants to deal with it. Up in Queensland, you're dealing with 2,000 people. Mm. Yeah, mate, I, I sort of keep me for a drive the other week and, man, that... I thought Linux head was pretty nice as a as a break, but what he had that it looked pretty similar, just even more sets than, than what you experienced at that place. I was like, wow, that's a spot. And, and and I'm one of those people that you going back to what you said at the start about starting bow hunting. I've, I've tried surfing uh, twice on a longboard and, and that getting knocked over and standing back up again. I must have a little bit of that too. But yeah, it's a I have a massive appreciation for it, but I'm no good at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a challenging thing to take up later on in life. Yeah. Thankfully, I have the advantage of, of being a good swimmer, so I can get onto the wave. It's just I haven't quite mastered that timing of when to stand up. I'm, I'm too too late on standing up, so plenty of nosedives and, and, and going over the front, front <laughs> sure. of the board. <laughs> so, yeah, this summer I'll get another three or four days in and see if I can get some success. Who knows what that looks like, right? Um, going back to uh, sort of that environment um, in the uh, post-traumatic stress, where, this, where did that sort of start showing up again? Uh, I think just, I suppose I just held it down with smoking heaps of weed. Yeah. For years, just for years. And, yeah, once I, once I eased back on that, and I, and I was like, oh, shit, I've got some proper issues. Yeah. And, you know, my partner, Eddie, she is, she's an amazing healer. She's a naturopath. She's an Ayurvedic practitioner. She could just see straight through all of my bullshit. And she just got to the point where she was like, I'm going to start pressing your buttons. And she did. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, so... Once I decided to look at myself, I didn't want to take that... I didn't want to take that mm, diagnosis. Yeah. Like I didn't want to accept it. And I didn't I didn't, didn't want really that to want define you. Like, yeah, that's hi, exactly right. Hi, I'm yeah. Andy, Andy and I've got PTSD. I'm a PTSD. Yeah, that's survivor. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's not me. That's like, that's not me. 
And I, I kind of was like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and it kind of, I kind of, some part of me took it on board as a, fuck you, I'll show you. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, we did, I didn't continue with, with that counsel. We just got to the point where she was horrible. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that was another thing where I was like, well, she was horrible and I'll show you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, me a challenge. Yeah. So, and, um, so that, that sort of challenge thing, and going back to what you're saying about getting into that tribe of, of the archery club and stuff and the challenge and the small steps, do you think that, that is, is the best thing for you, you know, and, and probably what you'll mostly hear about depression and stuff is having a purpose means that you can stand a hell of a lot more than, than what what you thought you might. <laughs> There's it's a multifaceted, multidisciplinary hi, multidisciplinary approach. It's, it's it's not one thing or another. It's yeah. You need to have good support. Mm. You need to have people that you can say, let's go on a mission. Doesn't matter if it's hunting or whatever. Let's go camp down there. Let's make a fire and talk some shit. You have to, for me, you have to have a good counsellor who understands your lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a big one for me is to have a guy that you can go to and say, I want to I do a certain thing with my brain and take a certain thing, substance to figure out some things and have him be 100% supportive of that. And... and help me integrate those things that, that I've thought about and help me to understand that inside of my hunting I was setting goals and I was achieving goals and I didn't realise that I was until I could sit down with him and, you know, I'd come back every couple of weeks and he'd say, oh, you did this and that and did that. That's not nothing. So, and then, you know, having, having people that you don't meet also on social media networks that are there to that you can ask questions to like Amy did for me and just bounce back all the time and there's a few people that I've met like that on Instagram that that made me feel at the time like I had people that I could ask and they would just give me the response there was no bullshit there was no expectation so it all of these things come into me being able to heal myself and move forwards and set more goals and achieve more things. Yeah, so with, with uh, counselling, do you think that was kind of like, I live my life and then here's a space to, uh, that word, unpack it, or <laughs> whatever you want to, want, to, want to call it, and like put meaning to it and like be that sort of objective voice to um, sort of not shout down but to, to talk in... <laughs> From another perspective, um, of of the bad the bad voice in your head, you know, like I, I know mine's mine's pretty shocking. My my bad voice in my head, you know, and one of the best things that I had taught to me when I did psychotherapy was be that person that you would be for someone else when they come to you with their their sort of you know messy head, and you go, oh mate, you know, don't worry about it, you know, that's fine, that's a mistake or, or whatever. Is that what you sort of? Found with that counselling. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is my life, and this is my negative talk around it. You know, what have I actually done? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and and also help me to express to my friends because I'm 
I'm good at seeming like everything's fantastic. Yeah. But, you know, everything's in order, everything's great, I'm doing cool stuff, like, everything's fantastic. And I become, I became the rock for my friends and, and so that's just the way it's been in my life for a long period of time. It's just, I can seem to be okay. Yeah. And, and that counselling helps me to actually tell those people that are close to me, I'm not okay. Yeah. And it also helped me to, like you, you can give somebody the best advice, but mm-hmm. taking that advice yourself <laughs> is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And like what you said, become that thing, become that person that you encourage other people to be or, or those things that you say to somebody else, you'll be right, like, or you can do this, I've got your back, just like all those little things to tell yourself, they're the hardest. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, like me physically patting myself on the back, they were the things that, that I was like, oh, I'm actually doing what I tell myself I should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're right it is it is the it's, yeah, like most things it's simple but it's hard it's difficult and yeah <laughs> when, you, when you can get you know you obviously you pay them but a, a third third party to go yeah you are good you are doing a good job it's um worth it's money i guess and then the, the flow and effect is pretty awesome yeah i mean he never tells me i'm like really he never looked really like oh you're doing a good job but inside of the conversation you really realize that you are mm. It's, yeah, it's 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 a strange thing, counselling and seeing people to talk to because it seems like that you, that you start out in a session where you're talking something and then you just talk yourself around it. Yeah. And you're actually doing your own counselling while they're just sitting there absorbing what you, you know. It's great. Yeah. Now, um, that's sort of partly why I feel that I need to do it. But um, starting up sort of a, a men's, men's group or, or whatever, and on Sunday I was lucky enough to go to a wimp off session, and there was um, a good number of, of blokes. It was it was almost like you got to go to somewhere extreme to find his tribe, you know, like you know, archery club. Like it's this many people, uh, a bunch of people who are doing something stupidly hard and, and stupidly frustrating. Like you said, there's fall downs and stand up. Same with same with wimp off. Let's go. Um, meet some people who are prepared to do some breath and get vulnerable and then just to add, add to that, go sit in some ice for a little while. You, there's, there's a certain type of crazy to that. But um, when you meet people like that, conversation flows and, you know, within seconds of meeting a few people, we'd already unleashed, you know, troubles at home, troubles at work and, and uh, mutual yeah, troubles. Right. It's just like, you know, and that was before we'd even done any breathing, any ice bath. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And if you add a, if, if you add a campfire to that and yeah. you add that and you add no escape and no phones and everything else to that it's the most amazing thing ever yeah mate so yeah, it, was, it was sort of what i was trying to get with uh movember this year was um i sort of linked up with a guy down in monica he's real blokes bloke uh, his name's um nicholas and he, he goes by the handle monica hunter and he, he's got a fantastic moustache and, and he was uh, he said no nah, i'm not shaving it off but i'm definitely behind this and it was basically what you just said there like you know people see hunters and, and they think um Elmer Fudd, but really hunters are yourself uh, a graphic artist myself an optometrist um our, our president of the desktop is, is an ex-lawyer now now farmer um Gwyn Thurlow that I had on before he's a, he's a lawyer and his brother's a lawyer you know there's plenty yeah, of dogs and they're chippies and they're painters and yeah. they're farmers 
and their gardeners and their, yeah. Yeah, it's just like everyone. But what you said there, the, 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 the purpose, the passion, the, the reward of, of not even necessarily getting the animal, but being out there, seeing things, touching nature, getting grubby, getting stinky, having to chat around a fire, the, the conversation that comes from it is just a powerful tool mentally. And, and that's what a big thing that my members about. And then at the same time, you're doing some fitness and you know, nature bathing, which people are getting prescribed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it should be pre- prescription. Yeah. Well, actually, no, just, nah. Yeah, don't need too many people out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, I, I, I did, on your first podcast on did you brought, I think you brought up that sort of Japanese um, cancer clinic that gets gets their people out of, out of nature. Um, could you describe your feeling in nature? You said that was sort of your first step to to healing. The feeling when I go there, or my connection to it? But both, yeah. Go go deep. <laughs> Oh, it's just a tranquility of getting away. Yeah. I mean, uh, my connection to nature is like I moved to the bush to get away from city Gold Coast life when I was young. So I, I moved into a place that was, you know, one of the places I lived in northern New South Wales, a 200-acre cow farm. I lived on 16 acres in a, in a mud brick house. I've, I've lived right beside a creek that backs onto World Heritage Area that's on 28 acres. You know, I've been, I've really tried to get to the bush so that I could be away from stuff. And I think that when I was younger and I finished skateboarding, I, I was like, right, get the hell away and go and see Australia and see the bush and connect with it. And... I had a few massive psychedelic journeys inside of that when I was living in those areas and I would take ridiculous amounts of magic mushrooms and sit in the bush. And my mates would do, we would do stuff like, I bet that you can't get from this place over this hill and down into the next valley before I get from here to here. Mm-hmm. And we would set it, okay, go, or we would go out to bush dogs and I would live two hills over and my mate, it would be a 35, 40 minute drive to drive around and we would get two blokes and we would go, all right, let's try and beat that car home. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes we would beat it. Sometimes we would get stuck on top of the hill looking at how beautiful everything was. Mm. And so that time up there doing that stuff, I got a really strong connection to the land up there. And, um, yeah, I, I think that I just missed that once I'd been down here for a long time and to reconnect it to some of these places in Victoria, it's just like, holy crap, these places are epic. So yeah, it's, it, it, you just, there's no, there's no better feeling than being able to sit and listen to the birds. When you've sat for 15 minutes or 20 minutes because the wind's going to change or you've seen something a hundred meters away that you think, all right, it might be coming this way or I'm just going to sit in this gully. And then the birds actually start doing their thing because you haven't been disturbing them. It's, it's pretty magical to be able to hear those responses of the, of, of the warning calls and the warning cries when you do get up and, and one of them's like, what the hell's that person doing down there? <laughs> and all of a sudden everyone down the valley knows and you're like, fuck, what are you No, it's not. It's, it, it's, Bushwalkers don't necessarily get those those things. 
Yeah. And, and you know, going out tramping through the bush and bushwalking, you see stuff, but you don't see nearly as much stuff as when you're stalking through the bush and you're being quiet. So it's that's a brilliant thing to be able to, you know, be a part of. Yeah, mate. And, and often you're following the track uh, when you when you're tramping, and and it's you're right. Like, um, and when we're in northern New South Wales, I sort of we sort of went on a couple of day walks and stuff. Like Billy, who just came in before, she, she was pretty young, so it was you know half an hour or so, and then we'd have to rush back to get her, try get her to bed, not get her to bed, try. Um, but then, yeah, uh, the first time I went hunting back in New Zealand, it'd been around about eighteen months since I'd been out. And sure enough, I heard this alarm call going off. And I was just like, oh, it's mean, there's an awesome bird, native bird going off up there. I was about to get my phone out to video it. And the wind changed over my shoulder. And then it was like, bang, crash, deer, deer, going, shit, get out of here. <laughs> it was just exactly right. And then um, I went back to a spot that I was... I was pretty familiar with in terms of area, but not the actual spot I went to. And yeah, I came to this clearing. The sun was perfect, and I just stopped. You know, I'd been I'd been trying to get gapping it back out of out of the area that I looked at, and had you know, I'd been taking a little bit of notice, but I just stopped and stood there and stood still. And you're like, like you just said, the birds one starts, the next one starts, and they didn't just start to build into that chorus. And sun was right. The smell. Um, you know, you're sweating, but yeah, it was, it was epic. And, and um, again, as I said, my sort of internal dialogue is pretty shocking. And, and it, it comes out when you're trying to bash your way through tight bush and calling yourself, <laughs> <laughs> calling yourself a useless prick for getting lost or not, you know, semi lost and stuff like that. But then you push through and you go, shit. Like you said, you, you start giving yourself a pat on the back. You go, oh, I made it. You know, came across a waterfall and you're like, well, that's pretty bloody beautiful, but how am I going to get down from here? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. And then you, then you problem solve again. And that's, that's another thing that people don't realise. When you're not on the track, man, and you're looking at a map and you think think you know what you're looking at and then you get to the reality and you've got to figure it out because, you know, then, then you're in the reality, you've got to do it. It's a bit like parallel to life. You, you, you make a choice and you think you know what's going to happen, but Nothing ever happens as, as you want today. That's right. And I, I think if you, if you just grabbed regular Joe off the street and you gave him a backpack <laughs> and you said, you're going to walk in a straight line through that bush over two mountains and you're going to camp out and hopefully you'll see a deer, he'd be like, there's no way that I'm doing that. Like, they'd freak out on the first night. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant thing. Yeah. That, that, that's the that's the problem with the place that I've been twice around here is you start up you're in a forestry road and then you drop 500 meters altitude and go back up 500 meter altitude before you even get started like freaking stupid <laughs> and then and then if you shot a deer you chuck it like I don't know I don't know what you'd be prepared to carry out but maybe maybe 30 kgs on your back. <laughs> Yeah, not that far. Yeah, I've let down on I've let down on deer in that in the Alpine National Park and out the back of Lake Gildan. But I'm like, I'm not packing this thing out. Like, I'm too far in. I've made yeah. silly mistakes. I've come too far. I've only got a day bag. It's five thirty, six o'clock in the afternoon. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. Or you make a decision and you and, and you're like, right, that's it. I've only got two hours or an hour and a half to get back to the car. I don't have a head torch. And you turn around and walk. 
three k's and you get back to the car and there's a beer 100 meters from your car <laughs> <laughs> yeah what did, I, what did i waste my time get up there <laughs> yeah that um, i'm really excited for new year's eve I'm just going to go explore and another new area of, of the, the park that's on our doorstep and take oh that's bad four or five nights out there um got the location for a, a nice hunter's bivy and, and there's a hut that's about two and a half hours from the road so that'll be new year's yeah, eve nice. and, and then yeah three or four days in there and chicken chicken yeah, I, spent last, I spent last new year's eve in the south island oh man up on the top of um i can't remember the name of the mountain of it, but yeah last new year's eve i was camped out on the top of the mountain in new zealand it was great what area man um, North Island, uh, Kaharangi National Park. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, South Island. I'm sorry, North of the South Island. Yeah, Kaharangi National Park. Yeah, I remember actually you saying that. No, that's that's a place I've never been to. I've driven over the Takaka Hill to to you know that you would have uh, met nice some. Drive, yeah. You would have met some trippy people there as well. Did you Did you go into yeah, Collingwood or Takaka? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they um. They used to have this New Year's party in there, and oh, I can't even remember what it was called. Oh, they still do. They still do. They have a little a massive river. festival there on the river. Yeah. Some crazy, yeah, crazy thing. Still yeah. going there. We drove past. It's in an amazing place. It's a crazy valley, and yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's a comedian in New Zealand, Di Henwood, and he tells many a story about being at that that place chewing his face off eh? it, it's it makes, <laughs> he makes a lot hard of it but i, I could imagine it was, wasn't funny at the time <laughs> yeah well we drove back after we'd been out there for a few days and we came back through where that festival is and we were just like holy crap <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, there's 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 pockets like that like that everywhere, eh? Um, <laughs> pretty crazy, mate. Um, how much can you talk uh, about like what what you were up to last night or or, or what you're working with with that, that psychedelic sphere? In, in- oh, I can talk about it. I've passed it with my friend and my business associate, so he was like, "Yeah, talk about it. It'll just push you to actually push the website live." So. Um, yeah, we're, we're setting up a, it's more based on psychedelics, uh, but an integration platform so people who are struggling and take drugs, doesn't matter which kind of drugs they take, but um, they can find counsellors and practitioners that understand what they're doing or what they're trying to achieve by taking psychedelics. Um, Obviously, the literature and the science has changed dramatically over the last five or six years, and it's it. It, it was very challenging for me to find a counsellor who understood that I was going to take five dried grams of mushrooms and see where my issues were. And so, when I came across that person through a recommendation of a friend, it literally saved me thousands of dollars <laughs> and hundreds of hours possibly talking random shit to people that didn't understand where the science and the medicine front of that have gone. So we're taking it upon ourselves to set up a a platform that will allow people to find those individual practitioners that fit their need and 
just for like obviously we can't supply psychedelics and it's illegal in Australia and New Zealand and a million other countries to do one on one with patients and practitioners to sit down and maybe do MDMA for PTSD or mushrooms for depression or any of those things it's illegal but it's not illegal to talk to a trained practitioner before you do something and after you do something. And I think that the integration and having a support network of a person that you can go and talk to is a super valuable thing. And so the more that people like Joe Rogan talk about it or Michael Pollan's book or Sam Harris investing in you know, research into it, all of these people have a huge platform of hundreds of millions of people that they reach and the laws are slowly changing. So as a group of people, I've been in that circle of psychedelics and psychedelic research for quite a long time and I've come across those practitioners who know their stuff inside out through personal use and helping other people out that are around them. And it's not just for mental support but gut health and nutritionists and naturopaths and doctors and so we've got you know currently looking at a couple of western herbalists we've got five naturopaths we've got acupuncturists chinese herbalists ayurvedic practitioners psychotherapists psychiatrists psychologists on board who have all put their hand up to say we'd love to be a part of this platform we'd love to help people out who are, who are going to do that and yeah, speaking of Rogan and those guys, because they've got such a big reach and those books like Change Your Mind from Michael Pollan go out on the New York Times bestseller, there's people that are outside of my circle who are doctors, lawyers, maybe not doctors because they should know that research, but, you know, highly trained professionals that have nothing to do with psychedelics and they want to change their life because they've got issues. So they should be, they should be able to find a a person that fits their needs to do that. Yeah, you, you say doctors should know the research, but, yeah, there's, there's not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, yeah. that, that's a different can of worms. Mate, and, um, even in Aussie, and I don't, I don't know if he listens to this podcast or not, but he's been on at Pete Evans. Um, he seemed to straight away pick up uh, Jay Hawley after I had him on, uh, the diabetic carnivore. So I don't know if you are listening, Pete. Um, we've got another guest for you right here down in, down in Victoria because I know, I know um, his next movie is going to be The Magic Plant. Um, and then he's in the process of doing something about psychedelics. And, and I know he just was on an Ayahuasca um, experience last month or the month before and it's been, yeah, that's uh, right. been a lot of his so latest, my, latest conversations so yeah <laughs> yeah it's an, and it's amazing how people are going to explore these things and people are going to do it whether the government likes it or not and that but doesn't seem to be enough support around it and enough people talking about the integration of what you go through and how you integrate that into your life and, mm. and i it's probably the single most important thing apart from actually taking that substance is that integration. Yeah. Um, otherwise it's just a waste of time and money and yeah. And yeah. brain power. Yeah. And, um, that if someone wants a really powerful, um, podcast to listen to, and I, I there's that one that I sent you the other day, um, Tim Ferriss, who, who, was part of the funding for maps. He had one of the head researchers from maps on and they had, 
basically a discussion about what you just spoke about, about how as psychiatrists and psychologists, uh, psychotherapists, counsellors, doctors, um, trauma people, people in cancer treatment, all that sort of thing, they're going to need to know about it. And so, you know, MAPS is creating this situation where, hey, you don't need to go and do the substance, but you need to get an understanding around it because this is the sort of thing that's going to present because, um, and it's the same with like, you know, going keto or fasting if you're having cancer treatment like if you were sitting there going oh that's stupid um well you might be compromising some person's health or their their lifestyle but and same thing with with the the psilocybin if someone's you know been given a terminal diagnosis and they're petrified and they hear that um you know the satisfaction and the peace from taking psilocybin means that they live their last few days and enjoying it instead of being petrified And you tell them that they're they're an idiot. What are you, you know, what are you doing for their quality of life? So yeah, um, listen to that episode. It's the latest one from Tim Ferriss. Yeah, I did. I think it was with Roland, Doctor Roland Griffiths. No, Is different again. One? Different again. Right, let's, yeah, let's figure it out. Let's talk. Again. I know there is that Sam Harris has released one today with um, the, the, uh, Rick Doblin. The, the oh yeah, the, yeah. Nice. So yeah, that's really that's a brilliant podcast. Yes, um, it's episode three ninety six, and she's Marcella Ortalora. Yeah, right. Saying that, yeah. that wrong, and yeah, that, that does speaking about Rick Doblin because I think it was like a maps maps um uh maps bloody conference or something like that. So yeah, well, I mean they're, they're doctors in the research. Yeah, they're training practitioners. They're yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, um, I wonder how, how far we would have come if it weren't the research into it weren't made illegal in '76. You know, it would be a different ball game. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty crazy. Um, yeah, '76 and like like I say the the '60s and the LSD and, and stuff. And I think that's what a lot of the why you know like people like Joe Rogan or, or Pete Evans, Tim, you know, everyone why they're talking about it because they don't want to see they want to see the, the positive of it. They don't they don't want to see just get quashed and go underground and, and again, um, remove that setting and, and people just, you know, creating the bad narrative around it when, when it could be so powerful. And, and oh, well, I've seen bad stuff happen to mm. people that are in a good way. So, yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you take everything with the grain of salt, so to speak, and providing, being able to provide a platform to help people through that, I think it, it, I don't want to be a hands-on person. I've thought about going and doing counselling and doing the training modality and stuff, but I think that being able to help people, and for me, not necessarily hands-on, yeah. is a brilliant thing to be able to be a part of. Nice. Mate, change tact again. Do you, do you make a habit of arguing with vegans or that's just... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they come to you. They say stupid stuff. <laughs> but no, I've got a lot of mates that are vegans, and I don't tell them how to run their lives. But when they tell me how to, how I should run mine, then I'll reply. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice mate. So you know, I don't want don't want to labour the fact because you you've got a uh, one and one hour twenty discussion about it on that 2 podcast. And it was I think it's an hour 50 or something. Hour 50? 
Yeah, well, uh, you know, as you know, I did it in two parts and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You did but, well, you did well. Yeah. Um, the, the, the best thing that you brought up was, was the bees, mate. Um, how, much, how much are you into bees? Because I love them, but I don't know, know much about them. We've got... I don't going. know a lot about them either. Um, I just know that it's going to be a shitstorm if we lose them. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I think, yeah, sorry, I interrupted, but yeah. No, that, that's cool. Um, the, 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 the sort of thing that has me worried about the, 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 the sort of environment and, and the artificialness of, of the planet right now is you're seeing that the people trying to, who are trying to stop 5G for, for their own reasons, but they, they bring in the fact that bees are dead. And, you know, there's probably a, a number of reasons for that. But, yeah, like you say, if, if we lose them, then, you know, what happens to, and then on the flip side um probably one of one of your heroes uh and his name escapes me right now the mushroom hat guy paul's damn paul's damn it yeah um he's, he's saying that uh even the mushrooms might, might save the bees yeah hopefully they will he's got his own little technique and he's producing I think he's producing these little like bee feeders that have got I don't know what they've got inside them, but he's giving them away at the moment on his website free. He's making 10,000 of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was, I can't remember what he actually said, but he found a, he found a fungus inside a tree from a bear strike, but somehow was connected to saving bees. And I, yeah, I can't for the life of me think of what it was. Yeah. But he's a genius, a legit genius. Yeah, and, and I guess it's like the mycelium and stuff is the Earth's nervous system, maybe, you know, if you, if you want to look at it that way. And yeah, for sure. But yeah. Yeah, and, then, yeah, and, and, and it's, it's like our nervous system, if we can get it in line, heals us. He's sort of suggesting, I guess, that if we can get the mycelium abundant and feed the mycelium and get the right environment going on, then we can fix some of these viruses and diseases for the bees and they gravitate towards it. It's pretty fuzzy. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a holistic system from top to bottom, inside out, no matter which way you look at it. So we don't have good soil and good microbiome in the soil and, and, you know, you can't have mycelium or fungus without any of that stuff. So how can you have good plants and good trees and healthy animals and healthy bees and healthy food if we don't have a good solid source. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's a hard one to fathom and there's too, too much information out there for, for you and I, but um, what, what's the direction that, you, that you're taking with your art is, um, with these landscapes that are looking so real but are completely artificial? <laughs> is that like a play on the world right now? Or, or? Yeah, it, it, well... I just make stuff that I want to look at and as my life changes, what I want to look at changes and I, I love those massive open landscapes. You know, sit on the top of a hill in the South Island of New Zealand, you can just see over the top of everything for, for miles, as far as you can see. And I think that, that, that Alpine region and the Himalayas and the Andes and, you know, the Alps in New Zealand, have, ever since I was a kid, I just adored looking at photos or movies and all that stuff. So I, I just made a little series as a play on words called The Andes and just started pumping them out 
one one after another, and uh, yeah, they turned out pretty good. That they're, they're definitely photorealistic, and I think the build process for me is it's more scientific than artistic yeah. because you use a fractal building generator and you you're typing in numbers. You're not actually painting anything or, or drawing anything or using Photoshop or anything like that. So for me, I can just kind of lock in and, and have one project on the go on one screen and then have another project on the go on another and kind of be able to multitask and generate these images. So it kind of feels like I can sit and research or watch a podcast or you, you know, do that style of stuff at the same time as being creative. So that's kind of been a good way for me to pump out art without actually necessarily feeling like I'm making anything. <laughs> no, that, that, I think that reckon makes it even even sweeter that not only is it an artificial world that looks real, but you're at the same time doing these artificial things connected to to a wider world of you know podcasting and videos and and, and life it, it's it's quite a juxtaposition I guess because <laughs> I mean I have to tell people that they're not real yeah. and I have to say underneath them this is a digital render and some people don't read any of that stuff on social media and they'll say where did you go this weekend Andy and they think like, where's that. And it's like they just think it's another unfolding of my Instagram feed of places that I've been. Yeah. So it's, yeah, and I did an art show with a bunch of mates and, um, yeah, I didn't write on it, any of that stuff. I just put it up and people were just rushing past it. And so, yeah, my mate, my mate was like, well, that's not even real. Like, actually give it some credit. And you're like, so, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I saw that quote the other day. Um Something about treat art like a prince did it speak to you before you talk to it or something, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went through phases where I would, I would take quite a lot of LSD and just sit down in front of my computer and just start drawing as soon as I take it. And then I'll just spend 10 hours on the computer until that thing was finished. And, it would, and that was when I was really getting into like trying to get my the that bird series done. That, I, that you know, there's three or four birds in that series. Maybe yeah, maybe four, maybe five. But I was like trying to delve into into can I actually do this? Can I sit down in front of my computer <laughs> and achieve this goal and take psychedelics at the same time? And yeah, it seemed to work. But I just got to the point where I was like, this is not where my head is at at the moment and yeah so that was a few years ago in my Hello. <laughs> yeah yeah mate well as you as you can hear in the background i'm having you know they've got a little, little little girl that's uh sick been sick the last few days and she's woken up oh. so we're gonna have to cut this short but we'll uh get it get it going again some other time and um, yeah, well, thanks for having me it's great having a chat yeah, man, and I'm super pumped about uh, what what this new platform brings, and and I, and I hope that uh, it gets plenty more airtime, and 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 I'll be be supporting you, and and um, yeah, like I've been saying to a number of people that plenty have come on this podcast, um, Victoria's definitely calling my name, and and it might have to be a four week thing with the amount of people that I've connected with over there. So yeah, yeah. Oh, one a couple of years. 
Yeah, man. And, yeah. and also on that on that note of um, what we're trying to set up, if there are any people, because you've introduced me to amazing people on your podcast, which I'm grateful for. If there are any people on there that want to get a hold of me to talk to me about what we're doing or be a part of what we're doing, then I'm really open to that. And yeah, so if anyone wants, if you want to pass on my details for that, then feel free and yeah, get in contact with with you guys and. We'll see where this can take us and try and help as many people as we can. So, thank you. Epic, and um, I'll have Hat uh, Living <coughs> Living Spirit Design um, in the show notes, so people can Thanks check it out. It. Cheers, man. I'm going to press stop, and uh, yeah, working. Thanks so much. Cheers. Awesome podcast. Awesome chat with Andy. Was, we've talked lots on Instagram. Um, share things back and forward, um, especially. If, the research side of psychedelics, lots of the stuff that sort of Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan put out, maps, some of these trauma release stuff that they're doing, um, the psilocybin and the MDMA studies that are going on, massively fascinating. Um, obviously, I've talked about the CBD stuff, the non-psychoactive part of hemp and, and the cannabis plant. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm not condoning any of this. It's just really fascinating to me um, and this sort of new medical realm that things are taking on when it comes to these plant medicines if, if you want to call them that um, yeah I've got no experience of, of any of this stuff that's why I wanted to talk to Andy because he uh, is right in the know and as I said he's been in that circle for a long time that uh, podcast with Tim Ferriss I found massively fascinating and I'll put that in the show notes for you to just click on and obviously if you're in podcast app or, or whatever and you follow Tim Ferriss you'll see it there <laughs> and you subscribe to him so make sure you subscribe to us as well that's how those podcast apps work if you're subscribed every time we put out an episode it just pops up in your app and you can listen on through same on Spotify just I think you follow the stag roar or something like that um I haven't actually caught up with how podcasting works through Spotify. Probably should, um, seeing as they bought out Anchor, who I released this through. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear thoughts on any of the topics we talked about. Um, you know, we've been talking about a few heavy topics of late. Uh, that's a good thing. It's increasing my vocabulary, hopefully increasing your vocabulary, maybe uh, making you sort of feel that those, that mental self-talk's not a strange thing. I know I've got it. It uh, gets the better of me sometimes. That's why I do all these other practices, balance out my life, <laughs> try to find that happy medium, try to be that uh, best friend to myself, telling myself that actually it's okay. Uh, you're doing all right. Uh, be happy. You've got people that love you. Um, that's where journaling kicks in. You know, I can write some positive things and that uh, some affirmations about myself some things that some gratitude some future gratitude and of course those little quotes that I ponder and share on on Instagram on the the Stagro Instagram page that's where you can have a chat with me Andy's on Living Spirit Design um, and of course it's in the show notes check it out thanks so much for listening uh, if you can us a rating that would be much appreciated as I said subscribe yeah all that's left to be said. Um, and of course, the podcast is always brought to you by Waikido. Again, that's just in the show notes for exogenous ketones, the 60-hour reboot, 
10-day challenge, keto protein, MCT oil. Yeah, there's a lot there. Check out the website. Um, if you're in one of those open markets, US, Canada, Australia, East Asia, just order straight from there. Um, I'll see if I can give you a hand if, you, if you're in one of the other markets. Just hit me up on at the Stag Roy Instagram page um, or the Waikido Facebook page and you'll be able to find all the previous shows. But of course, you're listening on one of the apps. So just subscribe and, and scroll through and enjoy heaps of good topics if you're new. Welcome. It's uh, great to have you here if you're new to this platform, the Stag Roy. Cheers. We'll see you next time.